Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 1st, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in Scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. Every day, Monday through Friday, we gather together to spend a little bit of time in God's Word together. We believe that this is the best way to start a day, not because it's just something we can check off of our list, but because we really need it. Our souls need it. We need to be refreshed by the Word of God in our lives. And so we read a little bit of God's Word together, we meditate on it, we try to apply it to our lives, we pray, and then we go. We live out our day with these words from God on our minds and our hearts, waiting for the Holy Spirit to do the work of transforming us. So let's do that now. I'll read our passage for us today and pray, and then we'll dive right into it. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 39. It's a long one. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with the pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment, do you think, will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant, by which he was sanctified? and has outraged the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days, when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what is promised. For, yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. For we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Let's pray together. Oh God in heaven, as we come to you this Tuesday, Lord, we come with different kinds of hearts, some of us heavy, some of us light, some of us joyful, some of us sorrowful, and we still look at the same word. Your word is alive and it applies to all of our hearts. So God, as we consider this long passage here at the end of Hebrews chapter 10, oh, show us the hope that we have in these verses. Amen. Well, my friends, this is a long passage, but this is a great one because it really talks about the doctrine of assurance. When Christ saves you, how do we know that he will hold us fast? How do we know? Well, we turn to passages like this one. The author of Hebrews seems to have anticipated this question or 
at least sees this issue in the people of the Hebrews and now is writing to address it. He starts off this passage by saying that what Christ has done by tearing apart the curtain that is his flesh and allowing us into the holy places of God because of the sacrifices that he made, well, it must turn us to do something. We must respond in a certain way. And he says, let's consider how we could stir one another up to love and good works. Let's consider how we don't neglect to meet together. Let's consider how we encourage one another and all the more keep doing these things until the day of the Lord draws near. Surely some of you have heard these verses said to you uh, or in the presence of you about someone who doesn't come to church. This is why we meet together. We do it because the author of Hebrews says this is a good thing. Well, this isn't the only place it's talked about, but you know what I mean. We shouldn't neglect meeting together. We shouldn't neglect stirring one another up to love and good works. Or we shouldn't neglect encouraging one another. These are the responses of what the Lord has done in our lives. This is the confession of our hope, of he who has promised us. These things are the evidence of the hope that we have from him who has promised these things, the faithful one who has promised him, the faithful one who has promised us salvation. Then what the author of Hebrew does from verse 26 through the end of this chapter, so for the next, what, 14 verses or so, is he says that once Christ has saved you, once salvation, conversion, whatever you want to call it, has happened in your life, we should respond in a certain way. And what we shouldn't do is go on deliberately sinning because what this does is it causes doubt about the perseverance that we have. I do not believe that this passage actually says that if you go on sinning, you'll lose your salvation. Sometimes this is talked about in this passage, and I think we talked about it a few weeks ago. And I know people hold different positions than me, but I don't read this passage as meaning that. What I think it means is that if you continue to go on with sin in your life, the fear and the doubt of judgment will creep in, even if you are truly part of God's family. After all, my friends, how many of us would call ourselves believers? but we still go on sinning. Maybe we don't commit outrageous sins, but there is still present sin in our lives. What the author of Hebrews is doing in this passage is he's saying we should not continue going on in deliberate sin, making peace with our sin, allowing it to flourish in our lives because it immediately will cast doubt on the assurance that we should have in the work of Christ. In verse 27, he says, that a fearful expectation of judgment, a fury of fire will consume us. Brothers and sisters, as we go today and we read through this long passage, we should not throw away the confidence that we have in the great reward of Christ because of deliberate sin in our lives. We must confess our sin. We must be a people who repent of our sin. When we identify sin in our lives and the Holy Spirit brings it to mind, we should be a people who repent and turn away from it. The fact that it burdens us, the fact that we acknowledge it and we're fighting against it, is the evidence of the work of the Spirit in our life and should actually point to our confidence that we are within Christ. But if we are sinning deliberately and it is flourishing in our lives and we don't let it go on without a passing care, then let our confidence fade because we should have a fearful expectation of judgment in such a case. But that is not the emphasis of the author of Hebrews' passage here. He ends it by saying, we are not ones who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are ones of faith and preserve in our souls. So brothers and sisters, 
I urge you, love one another. Pursue good works. Meet together. Encourage one another. These are the evidences of what Christ has done in you. And if there is sin in our lives, oh, my friends, you and me, let's go to the cross and give it to our Savior, the one who has torn the curtain that is his flesh and has given us the confidence to know that we are truly his. Let me close us in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, how great of a Savior you are, that you came and your flesh was torn Metaphorically, the curtain was torn. We've been entered into the holy places of God. And you have given us the assurance that that does something in our lives. That it sticks. That you hold us. We don't have to shrink back and be destroyed. But instead, persevere in faith. By confessing our sin and repenting. By doing good works, by encouraging one another, by loving one another, by praying for one another, by gathering together with brothers and sisters and seeing the physical evidence of them in the body of our believers, of what you've done in our lives and amongst us. Lord, as we go today, won't these words ring true for the joyful and the sorrowful that you are a God who holds us. It drives us to worship you, Father to hallow your name above all other names, to depend on you for all of our needs. You are the God who provides for us. You are the God who has died for us. And you are the God who is keeping us even now. Lord, we pray all these things in your Son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you tomorrow.